welcome to Drinking and Talking with your host, Vincent Franconi. Sure. Okay. This is us. This is our 20th podcast minus 20. Yeah. Uh, this is number one of, uh, what are we calling this? Uh, drinking and talking. Yeah. Or the, you kept saying the DTs. The DTs for short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not live because you're listening to this if you are listening to this uh, on a podcast, but this is uh, Coonin's Bar in uh, the edge of Rogers Park. And I'm talking to, my name is Vince. I'm talking to Jason. How do you say your last name? Witherow. That's what I thought, but I'm pretty sure I'd fuck it up. So. Yeah. It's good. I, I don't know sometimes. It's, I just pronounce it as it's spelled, mm-hmm. which looked like Witherow, but it's too, it's not very poetic mm-hmm. for somebody who's not a poetry fan. Yeah, people uh, people always look at me and they're like, wither, and then they just like give me a stare. I'm like a wither. And then, oh. Yeah, and then I'm like, row, row, you're good, you know, every time. Uh, so you haven't gotten that before, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your tagline? Are you guys like, going to call, like, listen to the DTs while shaking off the DTs? Yeah, we should figure that out. Let's talk about this. Like, yeah. You've done podcasts before. Yeah. And uh, you're uh, a veteran of uh, the comedy world and wrote uh, some punch-up, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we're having you on. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and because you're doing cheap. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, give us some suggestions for some uh, titles, taglines, whatever. Uh, I don't know. It can't be a pun. Why not? Regardless of what I said, because you're like a 40 year old hipster. I'm not a hipster. You can't just you can't just add a pun. It really ruins. I'm, the- <laughs> I'm in my 40s. I'm like dad humor level now. Puns are totally fair game. Yeah, it's true. Wonder what your kill think. Wait, yeah, so you're, you're exempt from dad humor nope, then. Not get no. I have plenty of uh, children in the sense that I have pets. Yeah, but I don't have kids. That's not happening. It's true. But uh, I can still do the dad jokes. Yeah. That works fine. Um, so shake off the DTs with the DTs. That's, with the DTs. That's, that's yeah. the best you got. That's a, yeah. That is a, like a, that's a pun. It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about, um, well, it's better than my first title, which was uh, Blah Blah Go Fuck Yourself. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to fly because iTunes is going to like post that. You got to like just put like little like stars and like an at symbol in between like F and K. That's oh, so I, lame. Yeah. I never do that. Mm-hmm. Facebook, I let it fly. Yeah. I I my mom's reading. It's like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no point. You know the jokes, the like the Louis C.K. jokes about like when you use like F dash dash K or something, you're just putting the word in the person's head anyway. You're forcing them to think. Yeah. So it's like, why not just say fuck? Yeah. I feel like it's more respectable, right? To just say fuck? Fuck, yeah, just say fuck. You know? Uh, It's like indie cred you're building up. Mm -hmm. I guess. Something about it. Yeah, but DTs works. Shake off the DTs, listen to some DTs. Well, drinking and talking is kind of like a generic name for it because the theme Mm -hmm. of the idea was we were just going to meet in a bar uh, and just have a chat. Because that's what people do for years before there was podcasts. They would meet in bars and talk. And so 
the idea of like pub talk was kind of more I was interested in. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a podcast where everyone's just like, um, like do your NPR thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, like uh, oh, we're here with Vince and we're talking about him and his recent poetry book called Wings of Winter, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want that shit. So, like, no one really talks like that. So, why not just have one where people are talking like they're talking? I have that real problem with NPR where it's such interesting content and then they just talk and something inside me makes me want to bully them. Like uh, I've never, <laughs> I've never felt so such an urge before. But I understand bullying now. Like, yeah, I feel pretty tough when I listen to NPR. Yeah, because I'm like stronger than anyone else there. Mm-hmm. The way I feel. Yeah, I feel like I can overpower them with my voice and they'll feel threatened. And then you see a photo of Ira Glass and he looks exactly like you'd fucking expect. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, fuck that guy. Completely. But, well, there's there's a woman who's on Fresh Air, the Terry Gross show, and I like mm-hmm. Terry Gross. I think she's, she can't help but have an NPR voice. Mm-hmm. It's just like her natural voice. And uh, like she was engineered in a lab to be an NPR host. Mm-hmm. But like she has this woman named Maureen Corrigan on as a book critic. Mm-hmm. And she teaches literature at uh, Georgetown. And um, I'm always interested in the book reviews because it's always a book I want to read. But I I hate her voice like I mm-hmm. really like I pulled over the other day because I couldn't drive and listen to her at the same time mm-hmm. but I wanted to hear the review because she's just like today we are reviewing a book by the writer Nick Laird he is an Irish writer who's married to Sadie Smith and his prose has been called evocative gripping and sensuous and I just oh I just want to strangle the woman like I cannot stand it it's like an educated vocal fry Everybody at the office we used to work at called me Mini Vinny because I dressed nice once. Once. Like, once. I dressed nice once and it just happened to be stuff that you also wear. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, oh, no. And then I had to borrow your shoes once. Yeah, you did. And then they're like, oh, you're slowly becoming him. Well, that's when I, because I've been there, you have to borrow someone's shoes to go to a job interview. It was a very common thing because, mm-hmm. uh, hey, my 20s, which you're in your 20s, right? Yeah. I don't fucking know. You're kind of ageless looking. General human male look. Depressed 30 is what I usually get. That's like, what you're aiming for? Yeah, no, that's, that's what I usually get. So 25, though. You're pulling that off if you are aiming for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I've been there where I had a pair of shoes that I was going to wear to a job interview. And I, um, it was raining. This was in my 20s a while ago, before I was the you know wealthy college teacher that I am now. But I had a, a giant hole, like quarter size hole, in, in one of the soles. So I stuffed all this newspaper in there because I didn't want my shoe to get wet because I didn't want to feel that the whole interview and it would just fuck up my performance. Yeah. And uh, walked to the interview because I didn't have a car and have money for the train. And um, got there and it just soaked through all the paper and then I had like this weird like newspaper in my foot feeling the whole time. So I didn't get that job. I understand. You got yours, so congratulations. I feel like getting a job is so arbitrary. Like, (laughs) I don't think it's answering the right questions at all. I feel like it's literally just like, I like the look of that guy. That girl looks harmless, you know? That's exactly what it is. It's like... I once got a job because I went to a high school that this guy went um, knew from the south mm-hmm. side, and we were like rival football player teams. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. I never went to a game in my life. But he's like, oh, you went to St. Lawrence, huh? <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, I went to Fenwick. And I was like, that's supposed to mean something to me. And I was like, okay. He goes, all right, you look like a nice enough guy. You're hired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the whole interview. 
Well, look at it this way. At least you have a job because I talked to Jason last week and he informed me that he was this close to getting a job in a pest control company. Oh, yeah. Where he would be killing skunks for $12 an hour. $12 an hour, yeah. But they said $12 an hour like it was something ritzy. They were like, hey, listen, you got you got your bachelor's degree. You got, you know, you got experience climbing ladders from your fire department experience. We're going to bump up to 1150 to 12 an hour. How do you think oh. of that? And I was like... Well, it said requested salary, but 16 an hour, so <laughs> not too thrilled. Did you actually say that to him? Nah, I just, he saw that I wrote 16 an hour, and then he asked me how I felt about 12 an hour. I mean, like, what I'm going to be like, great. Yeah, please. Yeah. This is exactly I went to, why I went to college. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, you got to look at the job you want or, like, the job you're, like, you're looking to grab, and you're like, well, could I suck dick for more, and would it bother me that much? You know what I mean? You could. I could, yeah. Well. Like, my job right now, what it pays me, I'm not going to be like, well, I can suck dick. You know what I mean? Like, I'm making enough that I'll put up with the shit. But if I was, like, cleaning gutters at dead skunks and squirrels and trapping them all the time, just making 12 an hour, like, 48-hour work weeks, I would just be like, I will suck dick. I will. It's pretty miserable, son. First of all, you may not be sucking dick right now, but you are sucking, like, metaphorical dick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're already that close. Mm -hmm. I'm great at sucking metaphorical dick. I work the shaft of corporate America. <laughs> I, I tickle the balls of HR. I, I'm great at that. Well, there you go. You got a fine career ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You'll go far. As far as killing skunks and so forth, last couple of years ago, I had pest control to my apartment because my landlord was a dick and wouldn't do it. So I paid to have these guys come out to kill a bunch of raccoons who were living in my roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they were not happy people. So that I, I saw like what your future could have been. Mm-hmm. They looked at my, we're on the third floor and they're like, oh God, please tell me there's a ladder to your roof because we don't want to get the ladder out of the truck. Oh, yeah. like, the very act of getting a ladder out of a truck and extending mm-hmm. it was too much. Yeah, well, here's the thing. They were telling me about the ladder size and everything. I don't want to like give away their details or anything because it's like a company of the ladder that they use. But it's the same that we used when I was in the fire academy. And it required four people to move. It's like a four-person job to move these ladders. And they're like, yeah, you're going to be by yourself in the truck, moving the ladder by yourself, climbing by yourself. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, like, ladder safety, but you always have somebody brace that motherfucker when you're on it. And uh, they were like, no, we just do it. Whoa, $12 an hour and OSHA violations? Sign me up. Pretty sweet. Yeah. But, like... I just imagine me, like, picking up dead skunks with the one good arm because my shoulder's fucked up from moving the ladder over, you know? I just had to say no. <laughs> Do they have any kind of benefits? I'm sure you're going to get it was like by something. It was, like, super simple. Like, this job was aimed at people who are like, well, as long as I'm not bagging groceries, you know? They're like, we just pay for half of everything. You know what I mean? Like... That was what they told me. That was, like, the benefits package. And I was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Half of everything is still, like, leaves me with half. Basically. Yeah. That's not quite a copay. You know, that's, yeah. The copays fuck you at that level, right? Like, (laughs) basically. It sounds like the, it was sold to you as uh, we're doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm guessing that contextually that makes sense because these guys are probably used to worse it's yeah. like somebody's right now somebody's taking that job and they're thrilled and yeah. it's just like 12 bucks an hour I can get so much fucking chew with that mm-hmm. you know I'm good yeah I didn't want to be that guy but the dude who interviewed me totally had a, like a teardrop tattoo so like oh. yeah so like it was either this or things that you can do with teardrop tattoo you know on your face you never know maybe the teardrop is from killing a skunk yeah maybe every skunk gets a new tear <laughs> <laughs> he's kill a lot of skunks then 
I've killed more skunks than that guy in my free time. Jeez. <laughs> well, congratulations, you're out of that hell. Oh, yeah. So, I also thought we would have you on to talk about the uh, life of the post-grad. Oh, because you're the, you're the guy who recently graduated. And mm-hmm. when was the, how long have you been unemployed? I've been unemployed for like seven months, dude. Yeah. As of yesterday. As, yeah, as of yesterday. Yeah. Pretty, it was pretty rough. I mean, the tutoring was cool. I had, like, that great, like, part-time job tutoring, but, like, when your wife has a full-time job and then you just, like, tutor for 12 hours a week, it just looks like you hung out and, like, taught kids writing, like, for funsies when you're like, I got half the grocery money. You really are a cuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I should clarify that we mean this ironically. I don't yeah. want, like, uh... You know, a bunch of like fucking people from like uh, Return of the Kings website to come over and be like, dude, your podcast is awesome. You put that cuck in his place. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, yeah. I mean, that men's rights to fucking bullshit. I, mean, I don't even know what that means, liberal education. A liberal arts education? Yeah, it's like, like a lot of people think of it as like learning for the sake of learning and it helps you no. in multiple aspects of life. Professionally, sure, but like, you don't, you know, you don't feel quite as stupid, and that just helps you in every aspect of life. Like our sound guy went to Berkeley, not for, not, not for, for pod- not for podcasting, not he, for he, he majored in, yeah, not for his, uh, not for his warehouse job or whatever he does. But now he's super confident about the shit he does now because he knows because he knows shit, but it has yeah. nothing to do with a career. Mm-hmm. I say this every semester to my students, like mm-hmm. day one. Uh, when, especially when they don't know what they're going to major in and they have to take my classes, which are always English classes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of reasons to go to college, and most of the time people go because they, they see it as a place to go to get a job yeah. or a necessary hurdle before they get their job. But I always sort of remind them that once upon a time, people did go to college because they truly wanted to learn something mm-hmm. or they had a passion about a subject mm-hmm. and they were crazy like me and wanted to study fucking poetry. So it's just like, why would you do that? That's insane in the year 2017. But mm-hmm. I kind of think that's really what college is kind of there for yeah. or one of the things it's there for. Mm-hmm. And the training ground or a job doesn't really mean anything because... Mm-hmm. I mean, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> Seven months of thinking I have to suck dick. You know? <laughs> yeah. That was one of the things, too, is like so many job interviews I went to with my liberal education that I cherish because I learned so much. I learned more than the average English major, you know? I worked in entomology papers and I took chemistry classes and all that. So, like, I really got liberally educated. But they'd be like, English, huh? What do you do with that? I'm like, well, I'm here right now interviewing for a skunk removal job so what do you think buddy what you- <laughs> every semester that we have the jobs for english majors panel mm-hmm. as you know I oh yeah sat i was on those. that yeah um and it's actually i do believe i'm not here to talk shit about that because i do actually believe in the uh integrity of that message mm-hmm. but i also realized that most of the people i know who have english degrees um wanted really hard to be English teachers of some kind and the ones who aren't teaching English is because they got tired of adjuncting yeah so they ended up doing a lot of other things there's versatility to the degree yeah but I do think a lot of people who are like halfway through their BA in English mm-hmm. think well I'll be a teacher I'm going to be a teacher because yeah. I can't really envision any other alternative and no yeah. one I don't know anybody who's like my dream is to sit in a cubicle all day mm-hmm. like doing editing of documents for some legal bullshit or some corporate nonsense yeah. but that's where you end up because that's like the marketable skill you have mm-hmm. close reading oh yeah 
That's one of the things that I thought was so strange is like uh, English is literally reading and writing about it. And most jobs are reading and writing about shit. And then they're like, so what'd you get an English degree for? Uh. And it's like, I read and write about shit. Tell me how to read and write about your shit. This is, uh, we did an out through in Kunin's, right? I should give a shout out to Kunin's is my, uh, it's my landlord's bar. So <laughs> I should give him a shout out. Not that he really knows we're doing this or probably cares, but uh, yeah. So, but it is uh, the bar I've been going to for years in RP. I like those very Chicago statements. Like, this is also my landlord's bar. Like, uh, <laughs> like my landlord is also my barber. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the truth. It's like, it's such a Chicago thing to say, but you can't put your finger on it. It's just like how like people multitask in the city. You know it's, what I mean? I just took it for granted that that's a normal yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, now I I just thought that's how big cities are, but my friends in New York are like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, I remember my landlord helped me with my taxes, too. And then I was like, barber, landlord, tax guy. He's just a jack of all trades. He's just helping everything. Yeah. Well, it's an expensive city. you got to have a lot of side hustles. Yeah. I mean, you know, now I'm just going to drive Ubers and, you know. That'll be their side hustle, but mm-hmm. I prefer a landlord, barkeep, yeah, CPA, barber, landlord. That makes sense. You ever just be late on the rent check? You're like, well, I paid you with all the beer I drank. And <laughs> no, but I've secretly wanted to ask him if he'd let me like just ten bar every once in a while for extra dough or maybe a break on the rent. But mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I'm qualified to have poor drink. As dumb as that sounds. Yeah, I know. Jeff just did the symbol of like you just open a beer. It's not yeah. that hard. And no one's really coming into Kunin's asking for a Cosmo. It's not like I got to mix anything. Mm-hmm. It's like a shot in a beer kind of environment. So I remember like beer and wine places when I lived in Flagstaff. I was growing up, and like they became the thing. You know, beer and wine places. Beer and wine places, and they like had just like this huge repertoire of beers and wines, and they were like, it's really hard. And I was like, you don't have to make cocktails, dude. Shut the fuck up. You yeah. just open bottles. That's you just, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I could, yeah. That's why I stopped drinking cocktails because they're just too hard to like yeah. you get in and it's watered down or it's a dis- people always go there's too much vermouth or the bitters aren't quite it's like fuck it never disappointed by a glass of whiskey with nothing in it mm-hmm. or like Jack and Coke there's never too much Jack never too much Coke it's it's just I can't drink a Jack and Coke I don't understand that drink why that's like it makes no sense to me why is it just too much sweet I just taste Coke with Jack in it or Jack with Coke in it and both of those are a bummer. I just Jack Daniels bums you out? What? No, Jack Daniels is fine but when someone waters it down with like stupid Coca-Cola like that bums me out. What do you have against Coca-Cola? Poison what? water. Poison water? Oh, is that it? It's Well, I don't like, I don't drink soda anyway not to sound like a douche but I just don't. It's yeah. fucking, I mean, because I'm, I'm in my 40s and there's yeah. no fucking reason to do that. Over 30, like stop drinking soda, stop, you know, playing video games. <laughs> That's not going to happen for me. No. But uh, but yeah. I don't like Coca-Cola. I'm just not a big fan of it. I mean, I have my poisons for sure. But so, but if I was going to drink a Coke for some reason and someone threw Jack in it, it would just seem dumb. Like, I'd be angry that I was fucking up a perfectly good class, class of Jack Daniels with a Coke. Yeah, I never thought highly of Jack Daniels. I always thought of it as, like, booze. You know what I mean? Like... I remember, like, you know, if somebody gives me, like, a high west, and I'm like, you want, like, you want soda with that? I'd be like, what? What? What are you doing? You know, but Jack Daniels is always, like, like one step above well whiskey for me. So I was, I was never like, the sanctity of Jack Daniels is ruined. It's less about the sanctity. Yeah. you're right. Jack Daniels is a, is a perfectly fine whiskey that you can mix with whatever. You're not, like, throwing away a good, you know, Highland Scotch or something. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but at the same time, it's still whiskey. Yeah. So there's just no need to do anything to it. It's fine as it is. That actually reminds me of a joke that um, I heard in the 90s. And, uh, and I knew this was fucked up in the 90s, and I'm not sharing. I'm sharing this joke even though it's not a joke I endorse because it's incredibly sexist and it's uh, very anti. Uh, uh, it's about Hillary Clinton, and, white knight. and I have nothing against her. I'm totally going to stand up here for the for the women who aren't listening to this. But anyway, the idea being that like you can make a joke about a woman like Margaret Thatcher, and I guess I totally just did that because fuck her because um, I don't like her politics. But like Hillary Clinton, whatever else you can say about her. Uh, I do agree with her enough where I felt bad that she was constantly being referred to in this terrible way throughout her career. So when she was first lady, the joke that I heard a lot was, why doesn't Hillary Clinton ever wear skirts? Because when she sits down, her balls show. <laughs> ah. There you go. Ah. Terrible. That's hilarious. 30-year hatchet job on you, Hillary. Yeah. If you're listening, could you endorse this podcast? Anchor Steam and Hillary Clinton. She's just going to piss off all the Occupy Wall Street people I know. And yeah. All the Bernie bros. Should probably clarify that Jason grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona. But yeah, Flagstaff. I was born in Texas, raised what? in Arizona. Yeah, You're a Texican. Yeah, I'm a Texican. I was born oh. on the border of Texas in McAllen, not not McAllen, a town so tiny that McAllen just kind of absorbed it because <laughs> they didn't really have the like infrastructure to run themselves. Wow. Yeah. And my That's parents terrible. were on the border. I don't know what they were doing. I'm always like in the military, so was my dad. So like they were either doing something secret or they were like, you know, they were being like coyotes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, smuggling people. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. But you ended up in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's supposed to be beautiful. Aaron Flagstaff. Flagstaff and Sedona are really beautiful places. Yeah. Those are like the two. Everybody talks about Phoenix. Like, oh, yeah, Phoenix. You only go to Phoenix if you just did something terribly wrong in the mob. And or you want to go to ASU and just bang some hot chicks because ASU has like the hottest chicks like per student capita or whatever. You studied this? Yeah, doing comedy in Phoenix. I totally know. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like it's no LA, but you know, it's like it's mini LA. You know. So let's see your, your timeline. We're doing this like jumping through the fucking narrative here. Yeah. Uh, your timeline is born in Texas, raised in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. uh, lived in Flagstaff. Somehow got into was it comedy first or were you the fireman first? I got into comedy first. I was I, yeah. I wanted to do comedy since I was like fourteen, so I started doing it when I was like sixteen, seventeen. How long did you do that? I, I mean, I stopped comedy to graduate, so like I stopped <laughs> like the year before I met you, I think. <laughs> so recently. Yeah. Okay. And somewhere in there, you also worked uh, for the fire department. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! No, I, I didn't work for the fire department. I took the. Uh, I tried to join the academy, and then I failed. And I fell three stories, and they were like, "This isn't for you." And I was like, "I agree." <laughs> there were women bigger than me in that fire department academy, dude. It was insane. Good lord! I, I was the tiniest person. And that's when you were uh, an EMT. Yeah, I was an EMT, which is also. Uh, and I worked in Verde Valley. And it was, that was rough. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's like south of Sedona. It's like bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> Only old people and like... Oh, well, then you had a lot of business. Yeah, which is cool because I got to meet like World War II vets and shit, you know, which is pretty awesome. Uh, that wasn't like, like, like a conversational thing. You actually literally... I met. Got to work, got to like actually meet World War II vets, comma, and shit. Yeah. 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 I saw a lot of shit. I'm sure. It sounds horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I always wanted to write, like, a show about uh, my time as an EMT there because there were so many weird people there. 
like there was a security guard who worked so hard to grow a mustache that uh, <laughs> he he referred to his mustache as its own person. So he'd be like, you know, I used to work the skeleton crews like night shift, and then he'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna take me and the mustache on patrol. Let me know if you need anything. <laughs> it's just <laughs> he never named it. No, no. Like me and Ernie are gonna go out and you know. No, no. Me and the stash. No. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. He was hilarious. And he, Ernie, you gonna go get some tail? By the way, this was like some like guy who was happy to have a security job. He was an ironic hipster. He was like an old mechanic, and he was just happy you know, to have a job. I gotta like, say, since we're on this, I'm sorry this is cutting the, this story off, but like I fucking love that in a way because I really don't like the the precious irony of the hipsters. If we can get back at that for a second. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna go work as a security guard, dude. It's gonna be fucking hilarious, and I'm yeah. gonna grow an ironic mustache, and that's gonna be me for a few years, and then flash forward ten years. And there's some like fucking corporate shill yeah. but it's just like I, I kind of like the dudes who are like 38 thrilled that they got a job working in like the, as a security guard for yeah. notes for some place and just growing out their mustache going to the bar mm-hmm. and actually asking women like wearing a shirt that says free mustache rides yeah I love those guys in a way because they're fucking sincere and there's something about that that's admirable yeah like they're not trying to make anyone laugh they're trying to actually get a, someone a free mustache ride yeah he used to do this funny thing and there was like there was a lot of like attractive nurses and we all shit talk you know we all knew each other really well and then like they're all beautiful women you know they're travelers too so you know uh it's just a re- it's just a revolving door of like just new people and this guy just grew up in fucking Verde Valley he didn't know shit he just, he just hitting on women and then he would just be like come here baby let me clear you a place to sit and he'd brush his mustache oh, aside God. <laughs> like he's the first person to ever <laughs> use that oh I did, he did that and it was just like he just thought it would work and it, it was just so funny I used to know a guy I worked for a while at a uh, place where I was a um, a barcoder mm-hmm. which is um, oh hang on that wag like a dog book that was like the first job you had right that- no 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 weirdly enough that the job that I had uh, that I wrote about was in a place called PPS and it was where I actually worked as a mail sorter where you would just sort mail by zip code mm-hmm. but like I actually quit that job for uh, a couple of months and went back to that job when I couldn't get, when I ended up fucking up the other job I got but I got a job as a barcoder which is also working with mail but a different facility mm-hmm. and like the job was a two man job you stand in a machine and I would take mail and put it on a conveyor belt and it would feed it into a machine that would spray a barcode, spit the mail out on the other side, and my partner would grab it and put it into a box. And we did that for eight hours. So it was a fucking horrible job. But there was this dude who got hired, and I don't remember his name at all, but he was this like beautiful white trash kid, like southwest suburban Chicago dude, um, kind of hillbilly-ish, had like the fucking barbed wire tattoo across around his neck with the Woody Woodpecker smoking a joint tattoo. Like he had like so many tattoos. So what we were asking about his tattoos, and this is, of course, like the early 90s when not everybody had a goddamn tattoo like we all do now. We're mm-hmm. all covered in ink. By the way, Jeff got a new tattoo, saw it. Awesome. Let me take a look. Ah, it's fucking Boba Fett. He's got the Boba Fett tattoo. You got a Boba Fett tattoo? It's, the color's not done yet, obviously. Yeah. Mine is there. So, yeah. Not to speak shit about tattoos, because, you or know. Or Star Wars. Or Star Wars. I'm not talking shit about Star Wars. I'll talk shit about Star Wars. We'll get to that after. You both. You will. <laughs> Jeff will throw it on. But, yeah, this guy, we asked him about all of his tattoos, and he's like, I got 31 tattoos. And we're like, well, what's the craziest one you have? Because, you know, he's covered. He really was. And he's like, I, he meant this totally serious. He goes, I've got your name tattooed on my dick. And I thought he was being a jerk, like, you know, telling me to go fuck myself. 
But he's like, no, no, no. I got the words, your name, tattooed on my dick. So I was like, why? He goes, I go up to a girl in a bar. I say, I bet you I got your name tattooed on my dick. And they go, I don't believe you. And I take him out back and I whip it out and I show him and they laugh. And I'm like, and does that work? He goes, well, your dick's already out. You just got to work from there. (laughs) You got to admire that sort of ingenuity. Like step one, get him to see your penis. (laughs) He's like the Wittgenstein of hillbillies. I know. Figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This is like elaborate thing he came up with one night. (laughs) <laughs> like the right amount of like weed and meth and like fucking curly fries kicked in and he just had this brilliant idea. <laughs> I'm gonna get my your name tattooed on my dick. Is that your writing combination? Weed, meth, and curly fries? No, no, That's I can't a- eat curly fries anymore. I'm over forty. That's oh, terrible. Yeah. They give you heartburn or something? Hey, yeah. No, I can eat a lot of that shit when you're over 40. It's uh, your whole life changes. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I also have to say that I have uh, what my my brother affectionately refers to as the Franconi stomach, mm-hmm. uh, where we, we get, like, fucked up stomachs for, like, eating the wrong thing. It's mm-hmm. not a diagnosable thing. We don't have, like, Crohn's disease or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, my brother on Facebook yesterday was like, I just ate the dumbest combination of foods, and my God, I'm going to be sorry tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it was it was something so innocent. It was like popsicles and a two potato chips mm-hmm. and like a quarter of a beef sandwich. And he's like fucked up. Yeah, I got the same thing going on. I got I don't I have a really messed up tummy, and like my like I have to plan my day around it. <laughs> it's like that Louis C.K. joke. Like I'm 48 hours between a bad shit. Yeah. So yeah. like when my wife's like, we should go somewhere. I'm like, we gotta wait 12 hours. Man. Yeah. You know, like, I need to clean house first. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you're 25. Oh yeah, I'm 25. I'm so still. you're a young kid. Yeah. And uh, you're already experiencing that. So when you have to be my age, mm-hmm. uh, if if your colleagues are correct and you are truly like aging into me, then mm-hmm. you can look forward to that just getting worse yeah i'm just gonna be shotgun razor blades on my asshole just for eating like some lays potato chips maybe yeah but you get used it's to just... it <laughs> but that's the thing like you lose weight though because you start eating like a normal person mm-hmm. like my doctor kind of said you kind of gotta stop some of this mm-hmm. and then you know i'm like i start eating like a normal person like my stomach feels better so i think i'll keep this up mm-hmm. yeah you lose a little weight and you're like well no wonder i was a fat fuck all those years because yeah. i was eating like pizza every day and you know mm-hmm. God, I missed that, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some things, like, I just love... I used to love just getting real stoned and eating macaroni and cheese. But macaroni and cheese would hit me like dysentery, dude. So, like, I'd just be real stoned, and I was just like, well, I'm not going anywhere for the next two days. And i just eat all the macaroni and cheese I can and just blow it out my asshole so much. And I'm like... <laughs> My wife is just like talking to me like I have a like a, like an alcohol problem. I'm like you're breaking our family apart. And I'm like we never go anywhere because of you. Yeah, I'm like just give me the toilet paper and shut up. You know. But was it like Kraft mac and cheese? Yeah, Kraft mac. Oh. No, no, shells and cheese hits me just the same. It's all mac and cheese hits me just the same. Wow. Just the noodles and cheese combination messes me up. Dude. You should never do that anyway. I mean, no. mac and cheese is kind of something as a kid I liked, but like, I, I think I was fairly young when I realized that's bullshit food. Like, there's better things. I'm Italian too, so yeah, it's not that bad actually. Nah. I think, uh, the older you get, like, you just you get more. I just feel like I don't. I'm not trying to say like I don't eat crap because I totally yeah. do, but you do have this disinclination towards eating mm-hmm. shit like Taco Bell like there's no fucking logical defensible reason to ever eat that food no. and it's just I knew that even in my 20s but if I was broke I realized that a bean burrito cost 59 cents so why wouldn't I do that as opposed to like eat real food yeah but it's not like there's like I knew it was bullshit at the time now I'm like well I'm not rich but I have enough money to buy 
like legitimate food. Mm-hmm. So fuck it, they're not gonna eat Taco Bell. Yeah. I should say I saw Jason yesterday and he was uh, this close to eating at McDonald's and I had to stop him. Like, Don't eat at McDonald's, dude. It's just too- the real story is is that my, <laughs> card, that my card got declined at McDonald's for three bucks. <laughs> you're like, you're eating some fucking nuggets and it got declined. Uh, no, it, it got accepted. They were like, yeah, but you owe 99 cents. And I was like, I can't do that. And then the guy just looked at oh. me and then he's like, want me to cancel it? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. You got declined at a fucking McDonald's because you had no money. Four bucks, yeah. Like, what do you do? You take a bag of Fritos and throw chili in there? Oh, Frito chili pie. That's a Southwest thing. Yeah, that's not just stoner Jason. No, that was like bequeathed to me from other Southwestern people. It's like a cultural thing that's yeah. handed down to you, a tradition. Yeah. Today you, you become a man, mm-hmm. an Arizonian, mm-hmm. however that's pronounced. Yeah, Arizonans. Arizonans. Yeah. You, you just like get a, you get a like Hormel chili, heat it up, scoop it in like a sideways open bag of Fritos, and then you just mix it together, sprinkle some like cheddar cheese on top. Do you eat it out of the bag? Oh, yeah, you eat it out of the bag, dude. You don't put it on a plate even? No, you could do it. You could do it in a bowl if you want to get fancy. I mean, you just have, like, a bowl of chili with a bunch of Fritos mixed in. But then again, like, it's just Frito chili casserole. That's that disgusting. Point, right? Yeah, yeah. wrong, dude. I swear to God, it's so good. Again, like, we all have, you know, I mean, you and I have the, you know, digestive problems. So, like, once you take a bite, you know what you're in for. I'm starting to see why we have digestive problems. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I piece a lifetime it together. of casseroles and fucking <laughs> Frito chili pie. It's just like, why is my stomach fucked? Once I started listing the ingredients, some some things connected. Yeah, yeah. this is what we feed our children. This is what yeah. I see. Like you know, my mom, I mean, my mother was really good about that. She wasn't like, I mean, my family's Italian, so I eat really well as a kid. I'm not trying to act like that was like a bad, constant bad meals. Mm-hmm. But you know, occasionally you do eat some crap that's very like indigenous to the Midwest. I think, mm-hmm. which is like. Casserole is one of those. Yeah, sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is that Midwestern thing. I ate a lot of, you know, my time, but yeah, I didn't realize it was like exclusive to here. I, I didn't taste sauerkraut until I moved to the Midwest. <laughs> I guess I went to Boston uh, a couple of months back, and uh, like the first thing I ate was a uh, not a lobster roll, but a crab roll. Mm-hmm. Same idea, because everyone's like, you got to get like a lobster roll or one of the shrimp rolls or one of those things. And I just didn't quite like in my mind. I imagined it being something rolled up. <laughs> Like, I fucking was so disappointed <laughs> that it was a piece of fucking white bread <laughs> that was toasted with some butter and some, like, cold, like, crab salad. And, I mean, it was good. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. But I'm, like, I was waiting for, like, this elaborate, like, like a fucking, like, some kind of wrap. Yeah. It sounds like it. Or I'm thinking sushi. Like, oh, it's a lobster roll. Like, you know, it's like a fucking spicy tuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, I want to hear crab roll, I think, like... Yeah. Maybe like some like crab sushi thing going on with just yeah. like like a, like a piece of bread that's just like rolled with crab in it. Like this is how fucking this is how I was gonna say how fucking ridiculous that 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 food is out there because they're like that's a fucking crab roll. Mm-hmm. What do you expect? And it's like literally a piece of bread that they folded into like kind of a boat shaped thing and stuffed with like fucking shrimp salad or crab salad. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, oh okay, now I expect it, but whatever. You know, when in Rome. When in, when in Boston. When in Boston, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to do is just think about Bostonian things in history. It's just like, I just imagine Paul Revere being like classic Bostonian. Like, like you know, <laughs> like, like a Massachusetts like, screamed. Yeah. Just like, you know, 
I don't know, like him knocking on the doors with like, the British are coming, the British are the coming. The British are coming, you. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna come and help out? You're going to yes. come to the tea party? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. What are you, gay? You know, like, <laughs> you know, one of those things. Sure. But, but like one of my favorite things is realizing how close Walden Pond was to civilization. Oh, when God. Thoreau, yeah. when, right? Like when, right, that's the guy, right? Thoreau. Thoreau. That's yeah. Thoreau. Very good English degree yeah. right there. Yeah. Thoreau. Liberal education. Henry kids. David, you're right. Yeah. But he literally just walks like 20 paces <laughs> to the pond and then just be like, look at this beautiful shit over here. You know, and then just ranted about the government sucking. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't pay that shit. I don't even use that shit. Why would I do it? Speaking of that, though, wouldn't it be fucking cool to go to like debtor's prison still? I what you that, just work off your debt? For just, yeah, that would be so great if there was just like a direct to program where you just come out of college and you're like, listen, I got basket weaving degree because I thought I could really transfer that to something. I can't. And then like you know the warden is like some southern gentleman being like, well, let's see what we can do for this constabulary, whatever. <laughs> and then he's just like assigns you to work the roads for ten years, and you're like, hey, I got a job. Ten years, I'm clean. Right, like I hate on. to say it, dude, but you, your job you started today, you're in fucking debtor's prison. Like, there's no difference. I do not see a difference whatsoever. That's true. You're pretty much. This is it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, I got loans, mm-hmm. uh, I got bills, I got a wife who's ready to fucking shiv me in my fucking sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, better get a job. I fear that's what English majors are becoming. Uh, yeah, is the which I shouldn't say speak ill of communications major. I'm sure it's a very stren- strenuous degree. It's like two degrees away from a red comp degree, though. Rhetoric and composition. Well, you, don't, you don't take that very seriously. You don't think that's a tough degree? No, I think it's a very tough degree. I'm just saying, like the lines get blurred above above just like bachelors. Oh, so like, yeah, you're right to feel a little confused. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say something I shouldn't say because I do teach undergrads for a living, but really. Any undergrad degree, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like graduate school is where the shit gets real. Yeah. To me. Like undergrad is, you know, a lot of people phoning in, a lot of people get through. I took college algebra probably a couple of times before I passed yeah, it. It's just like five. And when I did, like it was a mercy C. My teacher was like, dude, I can't see you again in this class. Like, take the C minus and get the fuck out of here. Like, move on with your stupid poetry reading degree. And uh, so it's just like I get that, but like grad school is where you like really at least to me, that that felt like where I needed to actually take things through. I shouldn't say that because I, I was the dickest student as a as an undergrad too. Like um, Jeff's wife will tell you because I went to school with her. I was such a serious asshole there. Like I took everything so I got so excited to write a paper. Like, I remember we got our assignment like the syllabus like week one, and uh, I was talking to somebody and they were just like. Oh god, we got that final paper that looks horrible. I'm like, yeah, I already got my first topic picked out, and I'm already done research for it. And you're like, fuck you, Vinny, you're a dick. Like, you really enjoy this. Yeah. But like, when you go to grad school, that's what everyone's like. Yeah. So I kind of felt like, oh, I found my elements, and uh, people really care about this shit. So like, when I'm teaching undergrads, I never like pretend that they're like what I was like because mm-hmm. that's what teachers do. They assume you love this shit as much as we do, and you told I know they <sighs> fucking hate no. it. So it's like you gotta no, be sympathetic. I don't. I loved learning it, but like at the same time, like it was just stress around my life. I was like, fuck this. Like, I really wanted to talk to the professor when they were like, you know, you have a 10-page paper due before the midterm. And I'd just be like, fuck you, man. What do you think I'm doing? Just having funsies on the side? No, I need a degree. <laughs> we do assume that's what everyone's doing, that you're all yeah. just, you know, getting high and fucking storm Adderall or whatever your kids do today. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny is like, I had to be on Adderall because I have ADHD. Of course you do. And it did the opposite thing for me. So, like, it brought me down. 
And then, I, like, man, I didn't know how normal people felt. But then when I took Adderall and I felt how normal people worked through college, I was like, oh, now I see why people need Adderall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's sort of something rough. I say, like, I, I know nothing about, so it's like I have no... This is no information that's informing what I'm about to say, but it's like everybody has ADHD. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like what Jeff said about you're, everyone's depressed. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, that's an excuse. I, I'm not dismissing yeah. it because I know it is a legitimately diagnosable thing, and I don't mean to say it isn't. But like when I hear that, there is a small part of me that goes, "Uh huh," and I have five fingers on my fucking hand. Big deal. Like, it's like saying I come from a dysfunctional family. Join the club, you know. This song. is the song I was in the okay. Big Lebowski and he's like so, hitting on the roof of his El Camino. Yeah. Or, what car was he it? He didn't have an El Camino. No, he had a, but he had a car that some... He had a really minor, nice car, yeah. yeah. Kind of status. But go ahead. Yeah, like a Chevette. But, uh, yeah, he was, you know, when me and me and my fa- uh, my friends were in uh, high school and my soon-to-be wife was also, we were, like, still friends. We were, like, friends first. We would, like, go from Flagstaff to Sedona, which is, like, a 45-minute drive, and they had a creek in Sedona, in, like, a nice secluded area. My friends and I would just go every Thursday, and then the 45 minutes there, we'd be listening to CCR the entire time, which sounds like such a lovely memory. And, I mean, like, you'd see that in a, in a movie before everybody dies terribly. But, yeah. yeah. You're, you're on your way to your, like, to some cabin in the woods. Where you're gonna all die. Yeah. To fucking CCR. Or worse, like something terrible happens to one of us and then we all get mystical powers, like the Stephen King style. Yeah. And then it ends in fire, like every Stephen King. Yeah. I got a fucked up lung cancer story for (laughs) y'all. Nothing good has ever started with those words. My father passed away from lung cancer. Jesus Christ. Here we go. And here's the thing my dad had a. He had so many professions where he was exposed to so much stuff that he yeah he had mesothelioma but that was just one part of the tumor that had three different types of cancer so my dad had mesothelioma adenocarcinoma and non-small cell uh, carcinoma Jesus Christ so like that was like the big three of just like uncurable so when we took it to a mesothelioma law firm they were like well yeah technically you have mesothelioma but it was the smallest portion of the tumor oh, <laughs> so Jesus. he couldn't yeah he was gonna be killed by another thing that happened God. and then another one of his uh, another one of the tumors like one of the pieces of the tumor was linked to uh just the smog in California in the 70s. <laughs> he just existed in California in the 70s. It's a cause of diagnosis, Californian, 1963. Uh, uh, Hotel he, California, that was the death. Did he work with asbestos? Yeah, yeah, he was in the military, yeah. Oh, okay. One of them was caused by Agent Orange or something like that. Was he a Navy guy? No, he was the Air Force, or uh, Army. There's a lot, of, like, yeah. a lot of our clients were working in like Navy uh, capacity. A lot of the ships and things, I guess, were lined with asbestos. Yeah, so it's like a lot of non-flammable shit, because Everything had asbestos at one yeah. point. I found out, like Kent cigarettes had it in the filters. Fucking yep. hair dryers had it in the coils so they wouldn't burn. It was an, it's an inflammable uh, entity. So the idea is like it's a miracle product. It won't catch fire. Yeah. It'll just give you cancer if you breathe it. But you know. Yeah. It's one of those strange things. You know what's funny is like you watch World War II films, the gun belts were made of asbestos. And like when you shot out of a machine gun, it was just, just dust, like the yeah. smoke of the gun and the dust of the asbestos. Like, so they just like every shot's just a dose of asbestos in your lungs. Oh my god! I think the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life was uh, I talked to this. 
family uh, were like the the father was in it was a um, was a laborer and he you know died already of a mezzo and uh, asbestos related cancer and, and and I remember his daughter had gotten it too and she never worked in that capacity but we were sort of like trying to figure out how it happened and then she's like well every day my daddy would come home when I was a little girl and his work clothes covered in dust oh of asbestos and pick me up and just throw me in the air and hug me and do all these really beautiful amazing things that a father does and all that dust would fly in the air and I breathe it or he would pick me up from school in his truck and his truck was full of basically like tobacco smoke and asbestos dust and it's like so you caught it just from because your father was awesome yeah like your father was beautiful and fucking loved you and that's why this is what happens to you like, it's terrible. So this is what it means to live, folks. Yeah. Uh, life, uh, yeah, you, you just the people who love you will inadvertently kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just how it works. I had, a, I had a Cuban cigar when I was like 12. And then... Uh, <laughs> well, everything's that was, awesome when you're 12. That was a fairly awesome experience, but then I had a cigar when I was like 24. And then that was pretty disgusting. And I mean, they're like, new Cubans ain't the same as old Cubans. So, no. like, the peak of Cubans was when I was, like, 12. You, you which aged. Which is pretty messed up, yeah. When I was 15, I had a cigarette, and it was uh, rough. Mm-hmm. But, like, five cigarettes later, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I quit smoking, it's because cigarettes weren't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew it was time to quit. But it doesn't mean cigarettes got worse. Mm-hmm. It's just when you're 15, 12, like, the age when you first like you know taste whatever sin you happen to be tasting at that mm-hmm. time it's awesome yeah just like you're never gonna have a better fucking jerk off than that first one. Oh, that I mean, first one awesome. yeah. that sears catalog you stole from mom <laughs> yeah i remember that's but, you can't get that back yeah but then it just devolves to leela star and then you're just going downhill from there and you're like, like oh my every God. every cigarette every mm-hmm. drink every jerk off it's like we're not as good as the one before yeah the older you get the worse the shit gets you just sort of like don't love it as much you're like ah yeah. i'm doing this what am i doing like I'm yeah doing this out of necessity you just start watching a sasha gray video and you're like what is this normal sex get the fuck out of here and you're like do i have a problem do I have a problem i'm not Where's the midget? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I grew up with the invention of internet porn. So, so like, you, it's normal. Yeah, for, like, me, it's sort of normal. But, like, you know, you notice, like, wow, I mean, like, this ain't working. So, That's oh, wow, not, am I, I broken? Well, am I like, but now there's, like, 14-year-olds who are at my level. That's the thing. Uh, That's the thing you got to worry about. Now it's like now there's gonna be like a 14 year old who has like his first in person sex experience when he's like 21. Yeah. And he's gonna be like, here, rub this rock rock salt on my bag while you say bad things about my parents. And you're yeah. like, what's going on? You know? It's so like blowing foie gras up his asshole to get yeah. off. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reverse foie gras. <laughs> uh, like, quacking the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like this is some weird shit. Oh my god. I, like, I don't want to ever have sex or liquor or vice of any kind to be that I don't want to be jaded about this shit I want every time to be awesome and that's what happens when you don't enter that world like I don't fucking like like Louis C.K. has a joke about how he doesn't do drugs except when he does do drugs because he's like I don't do drugs because when I do they're awesome I don't ever want to have a conversation like my drugs suck because he's so cheated and used to them and desensitized he wants every like time he gets high to be so amazing because he rarely gets high I totally get that mentality yeah that makes sense to me that's why I eat pizza once in a while because it's awesome but if I ate it every day I would get a shitty pizza once in a while I'd be like this pizza fucking sucks 
when I was in high school, uh, I was hanging out with my buddies, and they were, um, like, a lot of them were smoking weed, uh, but I was just not into it, so I was always drinking beers. But, like, the very first time I ever bought beer, uh, I was underage, uh, it was on fucking uh, 55th and Wood, if you know the south side, and that's a fucked up intersection. 55th and Damon is a fucked up neighborhood. But, like, uh, or it was back in the 80s. So I was, like, my buddies were like, we heard that you can buy weed around here, and on Damon's, we're gonna drop you off at the liquor store so you can get your fucking beer. They said contemptuously, and we're gonna go get score a couple dime bags and we're gonna get fucking lit, man. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna hang out in Lawler, Lawler Park and just get fucked up. So they dropped me off, and I was so nervous. I was like maybe 18 or 19 underage, and I grabbed a six pack of old style, and I'm like, uh, like nervous as shit. And these two like 15 year old Mexican girls are in front of me, and they bought. A bottle of Southern Comfort, and I'm like, they sold to them, they're gonna sell to me. So Thai food, cilantro, over here. We got some Thai food delivered for Jason. There you go. What's up? How much you want to change back? What's the total? It's twelve ninety-two. Oh man. Uh, five. Here's what I'm finding out what I'm worth in terms of personality, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm worth about four beers and twelve dollars. I've actually <laughs> bought uh, Jason dinner because he's that fucking broke. Yeah. This is my bribing him to do the podcast. I bought him some chicken pad thai. Which he is later, as he said earlier, going to blow out of his ass because he has no <laughs> stomach lining. But, uh, you know, he can't go home to the wife uh, shit face, so he's got to put some food in his stomach. Yeah. We're not doing it for our job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, eat your food. I'll finish my little st- yeah. story. Stupid story. So anyway, I, these girls were buying like a bottle of Southern Comfort. and They were 15 years old. They're buying Southern Comfort and gum. And uh, I thought, all right, these guys are going to sell to me. So they sold me my six-pack of beer. My buddies show up in the car. They bought a couple dime bags. We go back. We hightail it back to our neighborhood, which was closer to Midway. And we hang out in the Lawler Park. I crack open an old style. My buddies open up their fucking dime bags, and it's all tree leaves and oregano. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we got ripped off. And uh, they're like, oh, hey, uh, Vince, can we get a beer? I'm like, nope. You made your choice. You bought what you wanted to buy. I bought what I wanted to buy. You live with your decisions. And I drank my beers, and he watched me like, you fucking jerk. I'm like, well, go back to Damon in 55th and complain to that fucking dude with a muscular body who only could get that in prison, who will kick your ass <laughs> if you try and ask for a refund. Like, if I fucking get a shitty beer, I can call up the old-style brewery and ask for a refund and say, hey. That's hilarious. How old were you then? About 19. Oh, 19. And that's when I realized, like, why should I go scoring on the street when I can just, like, wait a couple of years and I'll be old enough to buy this legally and I know what I'm getting? I feel it's like, a beautiful thing. I feel like as a 19-year-old, you could complain at old style about the, like, that you had a shitty beer, and they'd be like, you know what? You're right. Sorry. And they'd give you, like, a 30-pack. <laughs> that's old, like, yeah, that's practically water. Yeah. I own parrots, and parrots are, like, really close to non-human people. I own two African greys. They're, uh, they're, like, one of the smartest kind of birds you can own. And it's a lot like having a kid. Um... And uh, my, when my father passed away, I moved, and I took my bird, and then my mom took care of my dad's bird. And uh, three years later, my mom was like, son, I can't handle my, you can't handle cougar, my dad's bird. He sounds too much like your father. Can you take him for a little bit so I can move on? Oh, know? shit, I know this story. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, Ma, I understand, I'll take him. 
me and this bird didn't get along too well, like bitter roommates kind of thing, you know. So I took him because, you know, I want to be a good son and I like the bird. I want to like probably break through with him. Um, my mom drops him off and leaves. The next morning, uh, I hear sex noises coming from the bird's cage. Um, very loud. A woman moans. And... <laughs> And she said, the, and the moans sound suspiciously like your mom. No, they just loud moans, and then the and then the bird screaming this guy's name, Mark, Mark, oh Mark, oh Mark, and then I, I just he did it once, and I was like, okay, okay, all right. You called your mom and said, who the fuck is Mark? Yeah, I called. <laughs> yeah, I called my mom, and I was like, hey, a little birdie told me two things. <laughs> You're fucking Mark and that you're a moaner. Yeah, you're a screamer and I think oh. you're dating a guy named Mark. And she just hung up and didn't talk to me for a month. And, and then she was like, oh my God, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm seeing a man named Mark. And I was like, it's cool. It's cool. It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. But then like two years goes by. And this, Jeff is checking to make sure we got that make story. Sure we, got that. We, we need this story on yeah. the podcast. Seems like if you wanted to get back into comedy, you should get the bird back and bring it on stage with you. Oh, yeah. And be like, this is the fucking bird, and just poke it until it just goes, ah, Mark. Yeah, it just says, you know, or just, something. Yeah, I do, yeah. For the longest time, I was just like, I gotta film this. People don't believe me. No. But I was like, no, I'm emotionally battered enough from this. My favorite theory of all time was when I was uh, a younger, I was talking to a buddy of mine, we were in a bar, like, and he was telling me his Star Wars theory, where she said that those movies are all about race. And he didn't mean that they're racist, but he was like, oh, there's so many racist things going on in there, that's kind of awesome. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, the sand people. They jack his car, they strip his car after they knock him out, and then Ben Kenobi says, they're going to come back later in greater numbers. He goes, that's fucking Puerto Ricans, dude. I'm like, that is so fucked up. He goes, Jawas, they're short little fuckers with weird eyes, good with technology. Japanese. I'm like, you are so out of your mind. And I thought this guy is reaching for shit and he's a racist in a little way for seeing that. And then Phantom Menace comes out and that's the most racist thing I ever saw. Like, I'm like, holy shit, he wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, Lucas didn't hide it anymore. He's just like, let's have two aliens sell like Charlie Chan. Fuck it. Make fun of Chinese dudes. Yeah. You ever seen Jedi? No can defend Jedi. It's like, holy fuck, man. He was right. Lucas is a racist. He's got like a clan hood. I think that's what Ben Kenobi was wearing, was the clan hood. Yeah. That's the Jedi outfit, man. The way I feel about Star Wars now, as like a person who grew up with it, there was video games, and they could be rated M to T. You know, they were awesome. You played the Star Wars video games? They're awesome. They're awesome. <laughs> They're awesome. Kotor, all that. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's offended have, Jeff yet. We don't have that anymore besides Battlefront. But, like, what I want out of Star Wars is I want, like, a band of brothers of Star Wars. Listen, I want, like, a part. Everybody or like, dies. Or, like, Saving Private Ryan. Where, like, that guy's, like, oh, up. See, my Star Wars was the Atari 2600. Yes, 2600. And I was flying the, the snow speeder, shooting down those fucking snow walkers. Yes. That was beautiful. Yeah. No, I feel you. Those are great, but we don't have as many video games now. We just have one, Battlefront. So we, no, 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 no. I want, I want something with the intensity the rated M games gave me. I want like that guy screaming for another Jedi to help, where he's like, "Help me, help me!" And that Jedi can't overcome his fear, and he has to listen to his friend get stabbed, like shh, as the knife slow, the lightsaber just slowly goes into his chest. You turned it into the Saving Private Ryan, where yeah, yeah. like Giovanni yeah, Ribisi's yeah. death scene you talked about the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah, no, you want like the you want like Star Wars to keep it real. Yeah, you don't want like I got hit with a lightsaber, I'm dead. 
that? You want like somebody who's slowly dying. My favorite part in episode seven is when the, uh, the black dude accidentally stabs the black dude. Oh my god! In the in the stormtrooper, and then he's like, ah, and he pulls back a little bit, and he has to pull the lightsaber out. Right? That was my favorite. Where he was just like, oh god, violence. You know what I mean? He's like, that's yeah. what violence is to me in Star Wars. Like, not necessary and cool, but like something that's yeah. gross and like comes in the last minute. But as a kid, that was like when Ben Kenobi died in Star Wars as a kid, like my shit was fucked up. I was like, whoa. Me too. It wasn't violent. It was like Darth Vader swings the lightsaber at him and he descends into nothing. And it's, it's just his robe. His little clan hood was left. And suddenly it's like, where's Ben? That old cracker. And I'm like, that, that devastated me. So the biggest like happy moment of my childhood is when I saw a trailer for Return of the Jedi. Now, when I saw Return of the Jedi, because I didn't really love Return of the Jedi because I thought the Ewoks were bullshit, although the first half is awesome. But when I saw Return of the Jedi trailer, I was like, Han's alive? Because Empire Strike Back, he's in Carbonite, frozen. And I'm like, what the... F-? And he was my favorite person in those movies. And I'm like, Han Solo could be dead for all I know. And I took that shit seriously as a kid. I'm like, he could be dead. This could be the end of Han Solo. And then I saw a trailer and there's Han with a blaster. And I'm like, yes, the fucking guy's alive. He's fucking made it through the Carbonite. He's a tough motherfucker. Like, I can live. I can breathe easy now until the fucking day of the movie opens. Say, you can say Star Wars and you can refer to anything that happened. Like, dudes our age can relate. Like, it's not like, oh, what's Star Wars? What is that? Like, I haven't seen that. What is this thing? I've never heard of it. That's your Vietnam. That's the worst. Which is such a lame <laughs> thing to say about our generation. Yeah. Like, our national tragedy yeah. is a fucking sci fi movie. Which, At least say what you like about the movie, but it's, you know. At least my generation is 9-11. Your generation has that. We're, we're Gen Xers. We didn't have dick. We Kurt had, like, Cobain. fucking... We had, like, the SNL uh, uh, crisis and maybe, like, uh, Iran-Contra. This is what we had. Hang on. That was pretty messed up. That was very fucked up. I'm not belittling that. Ollie North. Yeah, he was just poured in that suit. I know. But no, it's like we had that shit, but it wasn't like we had buildings falling down and people dying. We just had people dying in a country we didn't know anything about. And, yeah. Uh, and our involvement in it was minimal or huge, but our awareness of it was minimal. We're like, what? Some people died? Oh, we sold some weapons? What? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> we have MTV, the Rand Rand. Yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Hungry like the fucking wolf. Yeah. Is it, oh, is that what Oliver North said? Man, no wonder they gave him a Fox News show. Oliver North is a, yeah, well, and so is uh, G. Gordon Liddy had a, a show for a while, didn't he? He was, uh, he was one of the fucking uh, Nixon guys, who Watergate guys, and uh, he's like been reborn as a Republican hero. They love him. Just like Ollie North. It's like if you do enough shit, you don't have dirt in the Republican waters, you swim through that muddy fucking swamp, uh, you get a certain level of respect. You tunnel through the fucking shitty water, you know, you come up clean. Andy Dufresne it, dude. Come on, you can't. can't That's it. That's Ollie North swimming through that shitty tunnel coming out, and he's just like, you gotta spill a little constitutional milk to protect the apple pie, and people love that shit. Wow. Hey, we're getting deep now. That got deep. We're getting political. How long is this podcast, by the way? Five hours. Do you guys want to down to a neat 20? My dad uh, had the greatest explanation for what sex is when I was like, I don't know, nine. He told me like what sex is. And it's the greatest like explanation. So I'm wondering like what your dad's tell you about that. Because my dad, like I remember I was watching an episode of Good Times with my brother and J.J. Walker on Good Times 
uh, or Jimmy Walker, my fault. Uh, there was a, it was a subplot where he thought he had an STD. He thought he had VD. And I'm like, I asked my brother, I'm like, what's VD? And my brother's like, I don't know, but I think I got a vaccine for that. And my dad overheard us, and he goes, kids, come here. And he wanted to straighten us out. So we're like, he's like, this is VD. You know that thing you got between your legs? We're like, yeah. Well, you stick that where a woman doesn't have a thing. She got a hole. You put that in the hole, and you get VD. Whoa. End of story. That was the whole sex talk. It was like, Whoa. and I'm thinking, why the fuck would anyone do that then? You know, like, what? That doesn't make sense to me. But I guess yeah, now we're going to sign off. Because it was nice having the chat with Vince. He's making up excuses why he's late right now with his wife. So we'll just pretend that we're really busy in the office. Oh, so much paperwork. Oh, we're, we're going to head out soon. I think that's it for me. Should we sign off? Sign off. Sign off. I'm signing off. Have a good one, guys. Yeah.